course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to a special bonus edition of fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined as always by Nick Jacobs. And um, look, everybody uh, in our newsroom has been super busy, um, you know, with this Super Bowl coverage and stuff like that. Um, you got a really special opportunity. I want to set it up, though, because um, think back to April 2022. The Chiefs had a lot of work to do in the draft, right? And they got Trent McDuffie. They got George Karloftis. They got Sky Moore. They got Brian Cook. They got Leo Chanel. They got Joshua Williams. They got Jalen Watson. They got Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, all those guys are rookies from this class. Um, there's only two, Darian Kennard, Hasn't really made a, a huge impact. Nazi Johnson has mostly been a special teams guy, um, you know, but um, all those guys or, or almost all those guys have played a, an immense role um, in, in this team. And, th and I think that's a big storyline going into this, these rookies, you know, and we had talked about in years past needing that infusion of, of hunger, you know, and that drive that, that, you know, that want to, to, to be in a Super Bowl, to win a Super Bowl. And I think the rookies have brought that. Um, and you got a really interesting opportunity to talk to Isaiah Pacheco's high school coach and Trent McDuffie's coach um, earlier this week. So what do you, let, let's uh, let's start with Pacheco's coach, uh, Dan Russo from Vineland High School in New Jersey. Just set this up for us. Like, like what was that conversation like? I, I will say I love talking to both of them. And part of, part of it is for me, it's just coaches at a high school level. It's, it's pure, man. Like it, it's the purest imaginable form of football. They do it for, they do it for the love of the game. They do it to really help shape kids and the young men, even if they may not become professional football players. It was like, you know, I've talked about before the impact that my high school football coaches had with Ken Clemens, who's the head coach at Oak park, who was my line coach and his head coach. Now, Jason Fowler, the impact he had on me, um, and then obviously Tom Reynolds and Mark Moss and Jacob Voos, like, um, all those guys, they still have a lasting impact on me 20, 20 plus years later as coaches. So when I hear the word coach, I can give each one of those guys. And even Kenny Baugh in my youth football days, who taught me how to pro proper footwork as a lineman back in middle school when I was a kid, but each one of those people had an impact on who I became outside of football field as a person, you know, as a man, as a professional in the industry. So anytime I get a chance to talk to NFL players, head coaches and kind of learn about that, I really enjoy that. And it kind of feels like what probably it does for NFL teams that are scouts, you know, <laughs> to go find that fact finding thing and be able to kind of learn about them. And it made me appreciate each one of those players so much more and who they are and what it took for them to get there and what they had and the support systems that they had to get to those points. So yeah, no, I just, I want to say with the, with Dan Russo, like he's, he he was honest. He was a he, he was able to talk to me in between uh, when he's getting ready to coach. He's coached basketball too, so he's getting ready to do that in a little bit, you know. So I mean, it's a busy time for him, and they just I, I just uh, I really enjoyed uh, getting to chat with both of them. Yeah, and so so Russo, um, you know, you were telling me, and you guys will hear like um, made Pacheco a captain his freshman year, so they had a really really close relationship those four years. Pacheco. Uh, played quarterback there. Of course, now he's a bruising running back uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs and, and probably going to play a really big role in this game. We saw what Damian Williams did when they won the Super Bowl, uh, you know, three years ago. 
good chance Pacheco, they're going to ask Pacheco to replicate that. Uh, but let's hear from from Pacheco's high school coach, Dan Russo. So my first question for you, uh, Dan, is who? what was Isaiah like in high school? Yeah, I'll tell you, Isaiah was so charismatic. He's uh, full of energy, as everyone knows. He just uh, juiced up our program so much for all the positive vibes he brings and electricity that he has. You know, it was infectious to the program. And, you know, when I got the team, uh, when I was named head coach in 2013, he was still in eighth grade. And I can remember going to the youth games. He played for a team there called the Blitz. And um, he was so electric down there. He was scoring like three, four, five touchdowns a game. Um, they had him primarily at running back. And um, at times they put him at quarterback. But what I envisioned with him for us was putting it right at quarterback and just getting the ball in his hands, you know, every play because of all that electricity he brought and he was so dynamic and he's also a baseball player. So he had a cannon of an arm. So, you know, we would run a lot of quarterback powers with him and um, a lot of a passing play called waggle where he would fake the run and he would keep it. And um, he had the option of three pass patterns or um, he would just keep the ball and run. So we had four great options. If the guys were open, hit them. If not run it for a touchdown. So he, um, he did a great job for us. And, um, also was a quarterback for us for four years, as we discussed, and uh, voted in as a captain as a freshman. So um, he's a four-year captain as well. And and how rare is that for you from your coaching experience to have a kid who's a freshman be, be voted a captain all four years like that? Yeah, it's definitely rare. But, um, you know, he was the talk of the town, and the seniors acknowledged his talents and his leadership qualities and um, – Great kid in the community. Everybody looked up to him. Um, so right away, he was putting in that spot, that leadership spot. And um, he leaded our program for four years. And he went off to Rutgers, as you know. And uh, he was a leader in their program. And you know, I know he's just a rookie there. But hopefully he's leading by example and following the leadership of the veterans there in Kansas City. So um, he's just a great, great kid, great person. Um, like I told all the scouts when they came in, he checked all the boxes. Um did a great job in the classroom every year, got better, you know, with his academics and, uh, you know, great role model here in the community here in Vineland, New Jersey. And, and I, I think Chiefs fans are going to be surprised to hear that he played quarterback since they've only envisioned him as a running back. I, I'm curious, what was his running style always that way, that aggressive fearlessness and the way he attacked it, or has it evolved over the years? It's always been aggressive. And as a freshman, you know, he's about 145 pounds and he's going against 18, 19 year old uh, guys. So I was saying to Pop, I said, um, Hey, listen, I know you want to prove to everyone that you're, you're extremely tough and we know you're tough. But when you see the sideline, you don't have to take guys on every play. So maybe start just running out of bounds and, um, you know, let's work on keeping you healthy for, for the whole season. So um, he took a few big hits as a freshman. He learned if it wasn't there, maybe start stepping out of bounds. And, you know, I know he's doing the same thing in the pros. He wants everybody to know he's a tough guy, which he is. And um, yeah. So to answer your question directly, yes, he's always been an aggressive, tough runner, but also has that elusiveness. And I credit that to his dancing skills, as you can see on the videos I'm seeing. And he's been doing that since, He's been playing for us too, but he's so elusive because he loves dancing. He loves music. And um, I credit that elusiveness to his uh, dancing skills as well. 
And for you, what's kind of been the biggest joy from the time you get to watch him in youth football to where he's at now and kind of what's what's made you happiest from watching that development and growth? Yeah, just seeing his progression, you know, watch him play youth football and then on to high school here with us, you know, our plays worked a lot better when he was here. You know, we had so many great plays designed for him. Our offensive coordinator, Jason Volpe, did a great job. Um, ran like quarterback draws, like I said. Um, you know, the waggle pass, quarterback power. Um, I can remember our big rival on Thanksgiving. We kept running the same play because they just couldn't defend it. He was so great at running it. Basically, you'd be in a shotgun offense and um, go back like you're going to throw the ball. And then he just would count, you know, 1,001, 1,002. And then he would just tuck it and run. And once he got by that first level, he was just gone. And he was just, he, you know, the thing that the scouts liked so much about him was his ability to finish plays. And um, he would outrun everybody. He got to that second level. You know, he was gone, as you can see, even in the pros. He's got that tremendous speed and uh, field awareness. Um, he knows the right angles to take. Uh, like I said, he's the total package. He checks all the boxes. And um, I'm curious with with him, what what was it about him that made him so unique during his time there that people kind of gravitated towards him, as you said, with the charisma, charisma that he had? I feel like just the respect he had for everyone. He respected all his classmates, his teachers, you know, the coaches. He just has, you know, so much respect for everyone. He treats everyone as an equal, extremely loyal kid. He was loyal to his hometown of Vineland, and he was loyal to his uh, you know, home state of New Jersey. He had all kinds of people flying in here. I had Ryan Day in my office from Ohio State. Mike Elko was at Notre Dame. He's the head coach at Duke now, and um, he had so many – schools in here wanting him and so many uh you know options for him during the process but you know at the end of the day he wanted to stay you know home in new jersey and stay close with his families he's tight with his parents uh julio and felicia and um like i said he's just a great guy and uh, one word i can say is just the respect he has for others and for you this year being able to hopefully you know watch him with how many times the chiefs were on nationally um what what has that experience been like for you? Yeah, it's just been tremendous. Um, I'm always nervous if we're not going to have the game here. If not, I go out to a local sports bar and make sure I can watch it with their uh, setups with their direct TV. But um, I love watching him play. Um, he just has such a great attitude. He's such a great person. And, um, you know, we had a special bond here when he was with us for four years. And I was able to see him, you know, play at Rutgers you know, you know, a couple hours away, but um, close enough that I could make the trip. You know, Kansas City is a little more challenging uh, during the season when I'm coaching as well. But um, hoping they get some games next year that are uh, closer, so you know, um, I can attend those as well. It's just tough reading the news sometimes with these flights getting canceled all the time. I get nervous about booking a trip, and you know, it would be for nothing if they canceled the flight. So I'm looking forward to being able to drive to see them next year, and I will be flying out Thursday to Las Vegas. I'm going to stay a couple nights and then drive um, Sunday morning to uh, Arizona to see, you know, my guy there um, try to help the chiefs win this last game here and be super bowl champions. And, and what's, what's that moment going to mean to you to see him on, on the field on super bowl Sunday and how different is that going to be for you from maybe some of the other super bowls of, of past where you maybe watch as a fan? I don't know if one word can put in perspective how excited I am. 
um, to see him play and excited for his success. And he's worked extremely hard. Um, I'm just ecstatic for him. You know, he's like I said, he's so dynamic. He's um, he's full of love. He brought all that to our program. And, um, you know, I just love watching him play, love being around him. His family's great. It's just, it was a good fit for him here. And um, we were just very fortunate to be able to, you know, have him here in our program. And he's just been doing great things his entire life. So, you know, I expect him to continue to do what he's doing, help his teammates, help the Chiefs, you know, beat the Eagles here. And then finally, I always like to ask, is there something that I wasn't smart enough to ask that you kind of want to get across about him before the in the interview? No, I think um, we touched about everything here. Um, like I said, he's just um, such a great person. Um, we loved having him here in Vineland. Um, I actually booked a flight out of Newark so I wouldn't have to be on the Philly airport with the Philadelphia fans because they are that they're a whole different breed, those fans, man. Um, I was buying a Kansas City Chief T-shirt the other day at the mall with my wife, and I had one of the kids, young kid, check him out. He goes, what are you guys, from Kansas City? And I was going to say something, but I didn't. I said, you know what, let me take the high road here. And I said, well, you know that great running back they have? And they're like, yeah, Pacheco. I'm like, well, um, I coached him. So uh, do I get a pass for buying some Kansas City Chief gear? So um, he said, okay, you get a pass. So they're tough. Like I said, I'm going to drive a little further, go out of the Newark airport because I don't want to have to deal with uh, that on the plane. Um, but I'm not anti-Eagle. I mean, they have a lot of success. They're actually 45 minutes from Vineland. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's going. To, I'm sure those flights are going to be yeah. uh, exciting. So um, I'm looking forward to flying into Vegas and um, spending a few days there with my wife. And then uh, we're going to drive to Arizona and, watch the Chiefs beat the Eagles and uh, be Super Bowl champs. And, uh, you know, one thing I'd like to add, he's so, like, we talk about his charisma. There's a contest here in Vineland. I don't know if you've seen that on the social media or not, but it's called Mr. Vineland. Yep. So um, there's probably some footage out there. You could see him dancing. Um, that was, like, his his um, skill in the uh, event or the talent that they bring to the, to the Mr. Vineland show, and he ended up winning. So he's got a nice crown and fancy jacket and um you can see some of the uh, dance moves and i think he put on some skiing goggles with it it's pretty uh pretty entertaining but you know he's been being he's been successful at everything he's uh he's done his whole life and um i'm just glad the kansas city chiefs drafted him i feel like it was a great fit for him great fit for them and it looks like it's working out it looks like they're um you know, having a lot of success as a team, you know, he's seems like he fits in well and um, have all the respect in the world for coach Reed and what he's done in his career. He was um, local here for years, you know, obviously with the Eagles. And now it's nice to see him continue his legacy there with the Kansas city chiefs. And I couldn't be happier for him and the, you know, the Kansas city chiefs program. Um, I usually file teams here in the NFL. Um, I like to file, you know, great, coaching and um you know great players this and that and um i'm definitely a kansas city chiefs fan here with uh coach reed and then isaiah pacheco there at, uh running back so couldn't be happy for all of them nick i gotta be honest man i am i'm just picturing like 
terrified linebackers or safeties coming up trying to tackle Isaiah Pacheco, knowing this kid ain't going out of bounds. He's going right. to run me over. He's going to take my soul right here. Right. You, know, you got your girlfriend and your mom in the stands. <laughs> you don't want to get embarrassed. Like, come on, Isaiah, what are right. you doing to me, man? You know, maybe he'll do that to like Darius Slay or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I and I think that I think that chip on his shoulder has kind of helped him get to this point. And like he just he constantly just the impression I got from talking to his coach and watching him play this past year is just kind of he has that hunger and he's never satisfied. And that's what, in my opinion, that's obviously what helped him get to this point. I think that's what's gonna help keep raising his ceiling and what he can be. Meanwhile, you know, you got Pacheco who just plays with this just raw fire passion and energy, right? And then you got McDuffie, who a little undersized, a little quiet, but he's still an assassin out there, right? Like, I mean, he's very technical, comes up big and run support, you know. Um, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's a little bit atypical from what Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, usually you think of Steve Spagnuolo corners, you think long, lean, like Sneed or Joshua Williams, but but they really liked what they saw in terms of the physicality that McDuffie brought. He's a little bit quieter guy. Um, but he, you know, and he, he missed some time, you know, missed six games there, but, um, immense impact once again. And, you know, we talked about in the previous podcast, you can go look it up about the importance of the guy setting the edge and, and coming up against the run, stuff like that. You know, McDuffie's going to have to put his nose in there and, and make some plays on the edge, I think for the chiefs to have success. Um, but it sounds like that's kind of always been his style, right? Like he plays with a chip on his shoulder, but in a little different way than Pacheco, I think. Um, you know, maybe it's because he's undersized or whatever, but he still plays with that edge. Yeah. Part of the impression I got from his coach and kind of doing some, of uh, some of the re uh, the research that I did is just McDuffie really is a perfectionist to his craft and he may have had a good rep and he may have had a good play, but he still wanted to know what he could do better. And he was always obsessed with trying to get better and trying to become a better player. And I know like his coach and I kind of chatted about, what when he went up to Washington and went with that secondary coach up there, kind of what he was able to help mold him and kind of help build him in even more so than what he was at at St. John's Bosco there. So I, yeah, it was just I I just really enjoyed getting to chat with both both of them to kind of just learn about the guys and and who they who they were just a handful of years ago versus you know kind of who who they are at the professional stage now. So Trent McDuffie played his last year of high school at St. John's Bosco, which is a a prep high school powerhouse in, in Bellflower, California, there in the Los Angeles suburbs. So let's hear from his old high school coach, Jason Negro. Jason, my first thing for you, what's this experience been like for you being his former coach and kind of watching Trent go on this journey this year? You know, for me as a coach, it's always gratifying when you have your student athletes reaching levels of success beyond your program. And, you know, you hope that you had just a, you played a small part in their overall development. And I just could not be more happy uh, for his evolution through college. And then obviously as a number one pick in the NFL draft or a first round pick in the NFL draft, it just could not be more gratifying for me. Um, you know, it's like when one of your children move on and and start to live their own lives and you be able to sit back and again, think that you had something to do or a small part in that journey. I could not be more proud of Trent and what he's been able to accomplish in Kansas City. And when you kind of look back on your time with Trent, kind of what what do you reflect on him, of him as a player when he was there? 
I think the thing that re, you know speaks out to me the most in terms of the type of player that he was was how he carried himself, um, his personality. He was a professional, uh, always looking to get better. He worked hard at practice in all phases of our game, whether it was um, working in the weight room, in meetings, in film room, or on the field trying to perfect his craft. He was always carried himself in a very professional manner, very mature young man. Um, and you knew that he was going to have success beyond high school and you never knew it was going to get this big in terms of the professional ranks because that percentage shrinks so much as they get older. But um, I knew he was going to be successful in college. I think he picked a perfect destination for him to springboard um, his career to go to the NFL and put himself in position, uh, you know, that that you need that development to get there. And I just will always think of his professionalism, the charismatic leader that he was in our program and the approach that he took day in and day out to perfect his craft as a football player. And for you, when you've kind of watched from when he was at high school to where he's at now, where do you kind of feel like in his game, he's where he's taking it to level for him to have garnered that first round pick? Well, the number one thing to me is the fact that, you know, there seems to always be that little bit of growing pains that athletes go through because of the speed of the game. When you go from youth football to high school, high school to college, college to the NFL, the speed of the game and the athletes just become that much, you know, better. And when I look at Trent and I watch his game, you know, there doesn't seem to appear to be any type of a learning curve that he's going to have to go through or an adjustment period to where it takes you a year or two in order for you to catch up to the speed of the game. That transition he had had from high school to college, college now we're seeing in the NFL um, almost wasn't there for him. He was able to go out there and the seamless transition between those levels of play. Uh, he just kind of blended them all together. And you're seeing him play in a very effortless manner. You watch in the AFC championship game against some of the best receivers in the NFL, another quality quarterback in Joe Burrow. And he's able to go out there and act completely unfazed, you know, by that moment, by those receivers, that offense, uh, and, and it perform at a, such a high level was just awesome for me to see. But I think it was that seamless transition between the different levels of football that has been most remarkable to me to watch. And for you, what, from talking about the watching aspect, what has it been like for you to be able to watch him kind of be in the playoffs, be in the AFC championship game, win an AFC championship game, kind of what's that experience and moment been like for you? you know, it's, it's actually stressful, you know. I'm, normally when I watch an NFL game, you know, just watch it. You know, we've had some players that have played in the NFL and we got a couple in there, you know, currently right now, you know, however, with Trent being in the position that he's in, it's a feast or famine type spot. You know, he's either going to make a big play or, or contribute, or he's going to get a penalty and, or give up a big play and, you know, potential touchdown to some of these dynamic receivers. So it's stressful. You know, I watch the game in a completely different way than I would as a fan. I'm watching it more as a coach, I would say. Um, you know, and I thought my season was over back in December, but I got one more game that I have to hang my emotions on. And, and speaking of those emotions, what, yeah, how different is this Super Bowl Sunday experience going to be for you personally with Trent being on the field for it? Well, well, you know, I have a team to root for. Um, I'm a Steeler fan. So, you know, when they're not in it, I guess I got to root for the Chiefs now because, you know, Trent's there and I obviously want to see him win a championship. You know, he's a very unselfish guy. He's one of these kids that reaches out uh, he continues to come back when he's in town and we'll spend some time here at school um, even with our athletes he'll talk to them you know we had a national we were able to fortunate enough to win a national championship here at st john bosco 
this last year, and we had a rally a couple weeks ago, um, and Trent did a video tribute to us in, in front of our entire school population. And, you know, for a guy to do that in the midst of a you know playoff run in the NFL really speaks volumes to the type of kid he is. So um, I'm excited and I'm proud to be able to sit back on Sunday and watch this game. Um, and regardless of the outcome, I know that my, my guy is, has been able to get where he's at because of who he is. And then lastly, I, I always ask this, is there something I wasn't smart enough to ask her that I, that, that I should have asked that you really want to get across here to end this off? No, you know, one thing that I'm going to talk about prior to this, us going live or recording this uh, piece here, you know, you spoke about his charism and you talk, spoke about the type of person he is. And he's kind of a, a magnet for all the people there in Kansas City. And that makes me feel good um, because we're a Salesian uh, Catholic school here run and operated by the Salesians of Don Bosco. And one of the things we constantly talk about is the development of the young man. We're an all boys school, um, but it's their charism that's going to carry them through life. And you spoke about that. So for you to be able to identify that in a short period of time is something that again makes me feel good as a coach as an educator to really know that he's having an impact not only on the chiefs football team but he's going to have a massive impact in the kansas city community he's going to be a guy that i think you know could spend the bulk of his career hopefully his entire career there um, and make an impact in that entire state um, and city so uh, you know you, you hit the nail on the head and for you to be able to continue to spread that type of message about Trent and what he's able to accomplish, um, man, it's pretty phenomenal. Interesting you talk about the, the perfection and, and him landing in the perfect situation. And I, I mean, I got to imagine winning a Super Bowl as a rookie, perfect way to cap that first year in the NFL. Yeah, I know it would be. And I, I know his, uh, his coach had chatted about like, yeah, they, you know, they just won a national championship or not a national state championship past year one of their players that played at georgia this year won a national championship and it was just going to be perfect if uh if trent uh you know could cap it off to where the saint the saint bosco uh saint john bosco just how it could have uh that lineage of in one year state championship national championship and then super bowl like that that would be really cool for a high school to kind of be able to kind of you know flex a little bit with yeah, man, they'd have some bragging rights. You know who else has some bragging rights if they pull this off is Brett Veach, man, because the draft class he put together. Yeah. Um, you know, and if, if you're a Chiefs fan, you got to be excited because McDuffie's going to be around for a while. Carlotta's going to be around for a while. Sky Moore. You want to talk about mental toughness in a rookie to like lose confidence the way he did early in the season, not be able to find a role in the offense the way that he maybe hoped. And then come up with arguably the biggest play of the game in the AFC championship in a role that he did not feel admitted. He did not feel comfortable doing, but you know, only kept at it because Dave Tove and, and Andy Hill um, insisted that he would be good at it and that he keep doing it. And then, you know, Brian, Brian cook shows the same, you know, the same type of uh, uh, resiliency. Leo Chanel's made some big plays. Joshua Williams, look at where he's gone, come from to where he is today. Uh, you know, and Isaiah Pacheco, Jalen Watson being seventh rounders and making the impact they have um, pretty incredible class of rookies, um, you know, but look, it doesn't start in a vacuum. It's not like they got to Kansas city and all of a sudden they elevated that, that player development starts with Dan Russo at Vineland high school and, and with Jason Negro at St. John's Bosco. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, I mean, I think what I'm happy about for this rookie class overall 
is that they got that championship experience, you know, to be in an AFC championship game, win an AFC championship game, be in a Super Bowl, be a part of the media day, and hopefully win a Super Bowl. But they've gotten that experience, so they know when Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid are talking about, you know, that each week and the preparation and that type of stuff, they understand why they're doing that and why they're building to the moment that they ended up in. And they, they always have that reference point from here on out, just like you and I talked about the first year we did the podcast when Patrick Mahomes went to an AFC championship game. And, you know, and I'd said like, that is whether they won or lost that game is going to be so valuable for him to know what that experience was like and to go against somebody of Tom Brady's caliber and, you know, look what the results have been for the next four years after that and what that's done for him, his career and for the city of Kansas city and, and, and for the organization collectively. Yeah. No, it's pretty impressive. So hopefully those guys will all be celebrating on Sunday, Nick. Um, um, even though that means we'll have to um, cover a parade next week. <laughs> and you know what that means as well, right? Um, that traffic's going to be a nightmare and I'm going to have to cut way too many videos. <laughs> no. What does it mean for me personally, Todd? What do I have to set aside financially? Oh yeah, no. Yeah. You're going to be out, of out that money for a second. Listen, I bet this uh, inflation, man, that's going to get you that sec that, that new Lombardi is going to be pricey. No, it's the same price shipping to handle. Oh, really? I don't know about. Shipping and handling, I don't know about that. May be a different journey, but um, I, I, I've looked at the super. I've looked at the, the replica Lombardi trophy I've, I've had. I've walked by it every day, and I'm like, it needs a friend. It needs a yeah, friend. It, it needs a it's pal. Lonely. It's lonely. It it's is. Lonely. It needs another one. And you know what? Um, you know, we this this podcast has been dedicated to rookies, but um, you know, the saltiest old vet in, in Kansas City for years, like the legend, um, you know, was Lynn Dawson and, you know, Lenny, the cool, uh, we lost him, you know, uh, during the preseason, um, you know, and he's not around for this, but, uh, um, you know, I mean, you, you gotta, uh, you gotta think he'd be happy to add an, uh, another Lombardi of that collection there at one airhead drive too. Yeah. And then another person that would have enjoyed this is, uh, Individual, I've been thinking about this week that you happen to be wearing a hoodie of as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, with with Therese, you know, with it being two years since he passed away uh, this past Wednesday, the, the Wednesday. When you're hearing this, you'll hear this after the fact. But yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, his man. He was one of the people I thought of after these interviews. I'm like, dude, Therese would have loved talking to these football coaches and, and hearing yeah. about these guys, and he would have done these stories much sooner than the Super Bowl. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I. Uh... Yeah, he was definitely been on my mind covering the playoffs. Yeah. Uh the AFC divisional and AFC championship game. He's on my mind all the time. They, they still have that plaque up in the right. in the press box. I, I you know, I go uh just like I do with my brothers uh at yeah. you know at his grave. Like I, I go up, I kind of rub it, say hi, and then I go about, you know, and and do my thing. And I know I'm not the only one um right. you know who has a little ritual built in there. So right. So yeah, man. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this bonus edition. I just thought yeah. it was something that I thought everybody would kind of enjoy, something unique to kind of appreciate uh, who Trent McDuffie and Isaiah Pacheco are as as people and who they were when they were in high school. Yeah, won a first round pick, won a seventh round pick, but yeah. um, here they are. So, all right. Well, hey, excellent, excellent work, Nick. And uh, as always, for the rest of you, take care, kids.